God, even above and beyond that, God, we commit this new year to you. God, we say, have your way. Have your way in our lives. God, have your way in this church. God, have your way in this city, Lord Jesus. 2015 is going to be our best year yet. I believe that in faith. Jesus, you are going to do far above, even greater than we can imagine in 2015. I believe that. All for you. All for your glory. So that the city might know you. That they might know hope. That they might know love. That they might know peace. In our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you. I pray this all Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'll say amen as well. And and also I'll say welcome. Uh, Good morning. Uh, My name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here at Fusion City Church. It's it's an honor and privilege that I have most weeks to to communicate and to teach and uh, to to try and lead us through God's word to the best of my ability. Uh, So, so thank you for coming. Uh, glad that you're here. Uh, as, as you already heard um, uh, Pastor Quentin and Pastor Jonah say, today we're, we're starting a kind of new, new year, new focus, lots of new things. I love the new year. I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm a new year lover. Like I, I like Christmas. I enjoy Christmas. I get a little bit jacked up about Christmas. I think I get a little bit more excited about a new year than I do about Christmas because here's what happens every year for me. Maybe this is true for, for a lot of you also. I get to the end of the year and I start doing the, I do the reflection thing, right? Kind of look back in, in 2014 and I was going to, I was going to do this better and I was going to eat better and I was going to, you know, I was going to save money and I was going to spend more wisely and I was going to do all of these things and, and I didn't do them. Anybody else? Like, anybody else lose their resolution in, like, week two last year? Like, yeah, that, that was me, right? Like, last year, I was like, this year, I'm cutting weight. I'm getting back into, like, Marine Corps days. I'm going to be able to fit back in my uniform if I wanted to. I think I gained 20 pounds this year. Like, I just, I just totally went the other way because how many people know that working out is hard, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just not a lot of fun. And so I, did, I didn't do real well with it last year. So I'm so I, now, hey, we're only a few days into 2015. I ain't messed it up yet. Like, I'm, I'm still good. Like, I'm, I'm a few days in. I had, I had a soda last night. I had, like, a full sugar soda last night, so I'm, I'm already not doing as well. But, but I love the new year because it's an opportunity for me to say, hey, this year, things are going to be different. Things are going to be better. I'm going to, I have a renewed, I got a clean slate. Like, I messed up 2014 a little bit, 2015. It's like, a, it's going to be a golden year for me. That's, that's my hope. That's my prayer. Not only for me, but for you as well, and, and not only for, for me and for you, but for us as a church. I believe, I believe that God wants to do some incredible things in the life of this church, and that means that God wants to do some incredible things in your life because the church doesn't exist without the people that make up the church. Amen? You are the church. We are the church. And so the only way that God is going to do incredible things through our church is if God does incredible things in your life. And that's what I want for you. Even if you're not a partner with us yet, even if you're not a part of Fusion City Church, we hope that over the next four weeks, as we explore our vision with you, that as we look at, at who it is that we believe God is calling us to be, that you'll say, yes, I want to be part of that because I believe that God 
is in that, and I want to be and work where God is in as at work. And we believe that God is at work here at Fusion City Church, and we would love for all of you to, to partner with us in that endeavor. And so here's what we're going to do for the next four weeks. We're going to look at what it is that we believe God is calling us to be as a church. <clears throat> we're going to do that through this lens, though. Because God can't change the church until he changes you, we're going to ask that we're going to take a look at some scripture and see how it is that God wants to change your life and my life. And then collectively, as God changes our lives, he'll ultimately change the church. And so the messages will kind of lay out like this. We're going to take a principle that applies to us as individuals, and then we're going to kind of blow that up to what, we, what I refer to as the 30,000-foot view, and we're going to see what that looks like for us as a church. Now, myself and the other pastors on staff, Quentin and Jonah, we... We sat down and we said, we, let's, let's try to figure out what we want to define our year as a church. If we could pick maybe a word or a phrase, something that's going to define us in 2015. If we believe that there's something that God is calling us to do or to be in 2015, what would that be? And this is what we came up with. Stronger. We believe that in 2015, God wants to make us Stronger. 2014 was, we'll talk about that in a little bit, 2014 was a little rocky for us as a church. It has some, some pretty big highs and some pretty big lows. And so it, we've experienced a lot of great things. We've experienced some, some low times as well. And so at, at our foundation of who we are as a church, there's, there's a little bit that we're still trying to figure out, still trying to get our feet under us. And as we do that, we want in 2015 for our foundation, for that thing that we're rooted in, that, that base of where we live and how we exist and how we relate to God. We we want that to be so much stronger at the end of 2015. Now, again, I don't, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I want to make sure that we get it. The only way that we become stronger as a church is if we become stronger as individuals. See, we believe that God has this very specific and, 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 and special vision for Fusion City Church, something that, that God is calling us to be. We talk a lot about vision inside of the church. Here's vision defined. Vision is a preferred future. It's the thing that we, that God has given us a picture of what he desires for us to be. And then the mission of the church is to work towards making that vision become a reality. And so as we were kind of getting the church off the ground in, in 2014 and figuring out what it is that we felt like God was calling us to be, we developed something called a vision statement. In your seat or in the seat next to you, we had one in about every other seat, is a copy of Fusion City Church's vision statement. And here's what I want to do. I want to read it. I know you can read. And I know we, like I could have just handed it to you and said, here, read it and like I gave you some homework questions and y'all could have answered them all and brought it back next week and I'd have graded them. We could have done that. That would have been weird, but we could have done that, all right? That's not really typical church like homework kind of thing, but um, we, we could have done that. But, but here's what I want to do. I want to read it with all of us here together, and here's, here's what I want to ask you to do. Don't just listen. Now, you, you don't need me to read to you. I know that, but I want to read it to you, and here's why. Because as I read this, I, I don't want you to have to even look at the page. I want you to hear these words, hear these vision statements, and then ask, as, as you are seeking out what it is that God desires for you in 2015, if, if you want to be part of what God is doing in and through Fusion City Church, as I read these statements, I want you to ask yourself this question. What's my part in that? Because the only way that, that we as a church are going to see the vision that God has given us become a reality is if all of us commit together towards, of working towards the vision. 
And so as I read these statements of vision that God has given to us as a church, I want you to ask yourself the question, where do I fit? What is my role? What is my purpose in seeing that vision become a reality? Let's read this together. I see a church that connects every man, woman, and child with their Savior. That's a big goal. Every man, woman, and child. And we didn't limit that to city, state, or country. Because we want to go and reach as far as God will allow us to go and reach. I see a church fused with a city. Creating a life-giving movement for the cause of Jesus Christ. I see a church whose heartfelt worship touches heaven and changes earth. What role do you play in that? As we sing together, as we pray together, as we we meet together throughout the week and do life together, what what does worship that touches heaven and change earth look like and what part do you have in that? I see a church so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are so compelled by God's presence that nothing is held to be impossible. I see a church that has a message so clear that lives are changed forever and potential is fulfilled through the power of his word. I see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I see a people so kingdom-minded that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep this land. I see a church who is so committed to leaving a legacy of faith by empowering, training, and equipping a leadership generation through gospel-centered discipleship that the impact of the church grows greater with every generation that passes. Listen to me, church. Our best days are ahead. I believe that if we get this right, that I won't live to see the greatest days of Fusion City Church. That's my hope and my prayer is that we as a church lead the next generation so well and they become so much stronger than you and me that they lead so much better and that they accomplish so much more that the best days we'll never get to see. That's my hope and my prayer. But it's only possible if we all commit to being a gospel-centered, discipling church that leads the next generation. I see a church whose selfless generosity is unrivaled in a reach and depth. I believe the church should be the most generous organization on the face of the planet. Millionaires should have nothing on the philanthropy of God's church. I see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the... We don't have a lead pastor at Fusion City Church. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. But if you look at our structure and if you learn about our structure, you'll find that we don't have a lead pastor. We only have one head of our church, and that is Jesus Christ. We have three pastors on staff, and the three of us work cooperatively. That's a really hard word to say early in the morning. We work cooperatively and collaboratively to lead this church in the manner that we feel God leading us. We don't have a lead pastor. I get to teach most weeks, but I'm not your lead pastor. Jesus is your lead pastor. 
He is the head of this church, and it is his direction and his leadership and his guidance that we will follow to the best of our ability to see the Great Commission fulfilled. The Great Commission is to go and teach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is our mission, and that only gets accomplished when we follow the leadership of our head, who is Jesus Christ. These are God-sized tasks. A vision shouldn't be limited to our ability to accomplish them in our own power or strength. To reach every man, woman, and child. To worship in a way that touches heaven and changes earth. To have generosity that's unrivaled in reach and depth. Those things aren't possible in our own power and our own strength, but only through the help of God and his Holy Spirit working in and through us. These are God-sized tasks. And I believe that every year God wants each and every one of us to figure out those God-sized things that we should accomplish this year. Maybe we won't reach every man, woman, and child in 2015, but we can, we can uh, reach some goals and accomplish some things that get us a whole lot closer to reaching every man, woman, and child. We can reach as many as possible this year, but it takes God working in and through us. And in the same way that God wants us to have God-sized goals as a church, he wants us to have God-sized goals for our lives. Here's what I've learned throughout my, my, my 35 years here on earth. I'm, I'm, I'm 35, I'll be 36 this year, and in 35 years, here's what I've learned. That the closer I connect with God, the de- the, the, my definition of God-sized keeps changing. I, I thought I understood how big and how powerful God was until I, I kind of reached another level of seeing God move and work, and then I realized that there was more to him. And as, as I grow and as I connect and as I, as I relate and interact with God and I see him do things in my life, my, my perception of God keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He wouldn't be very much of a God if it didn't. Like if I could fully wrap my mind around his capacity and his immensity, then he wouldn't be very much of a God. But as the, the closer that I get and the more that I experience God, the bigger that I see him get. And I don't think I'm ever going to realize how big God is this side of eternity. Because the more that he grows me and the more that he stretches me and the closer that I get, the bigger he seems to grow. And the same is not, it's not just true for me, but, but true for you as well. If, you're, if you've been walking with God for some time now, if you've had a relationship with Christ for, for several years now and you've, you've been faithful and obedient and seeing God do some, some pretty incredible things, the reality is you haven't seen him be as big as he can be. So my prayer every single morning is, God, I want to see you be bigger than you were yesterday. And I want to see, I hope that, that this year that you'll see God be bigger than you got to see him be last year. But that's only accomplished as we continue to grow in our faithful obedience to what it is that God called us to. Let me, kinda, let me help, see if I can help explain what I'm talking about a little bit. Um, Christmas, a couple weeks ago, um, I got an Xbox One for Christmas. I know I'm a grown man. I got a game system for Christmas. Don't hate, all right? I like video games. Problem is I'm not very good at video games. So I, have, I only play against myself and my kids because like, I like to win. So, like, the only people that I can beat are my previous high score and my kids' high score. I don't even play against my wife. I think she would probably be better at me if I let her play. I don't even let her play. I only got one remote. Like, I got one controller. I'm not even going to buy her one because I don't, I don't want to get beat. Right? So, now, now here's what I'm noticing. I'm, I'm playing this game right now. It's, it's brand new. Like I said, I only had a couple weeks. I'm playing this game that requires both skill and strategy. Um, I found out you can get the strategy off the internet, so Google is my friend. And so I Googled the strategy, but I don't have the skill. And, and so even on the very easy levels, I'm, I stink. Like, I'm not any good. So it takes me a long time to, like, beat, like, a level on the game. And I'm like, whew. And once I finally master the skills to be able to beat that level, and I go on to the next one, well, dang it, that one's even harder. 
right? Like, so like I got to work and I, you know, figure out the control things and I get good enough and I beat that level and then I go to the next one, dadgummit, that one's even harder than the one before. And as I keep getting better and better at the game, the levels keep getting harder and harder and I become more of a, and by the time I beat this game, I'm going to be an expert. And then I have to pick another game and start all over again. Like, it's just, it's, that's how they get you. You know, that's just more money, money. Like, that's how they get you. By the time you're an expert, the game's over, right? So, like, I'm, I'm kind of working through that in my own life and, and, and now on my own budget, actually. So, working on that. But, but here's how that relates to, to, to me in this concept of, of trying to figure out this life that God is leading me into. Is that every single time I, I seem to kind of master a certain level that God has me at, if, it's, if it worked in levels, that's not really an accurate, I don't like that word. But, but as, as I achieve this cl- a different kind of, closeness with God, I find out that there's more to him and more that he wants from me and more that he expects from me. And so like he has to, he stretches me and I get a little bit better and I I become a little more faithful and a little more obedient. And I kind of get there and I'm like, heck yeah, look at me, Mr. Jesus man. Right. And then God's like, oh, I ain't done yet. Watch this. Right. And it gets even harder and it gets harder and it gets harder and harder. And like, I'm never going to arrive. I'm never going to master the Christian life. And neither are you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm never going to achieve. I'm never going to arrive at this master level of Christianity because God is always going to be bigger than I've seen him be. He's always going to call me to more than he's called me to before. See, I think as, especially as Americans, gosh, especially as Americans, we, we kind of get this, 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 this mentality of one day, like I'll just, I'll just get there. Like I'll just be whatever it is that I'm trying to be. Like if I get that job or if I get that promotion or if I marry that guy or that girl or if I get that car or that house or if I get that whatever, then finally all will be right with the world and I can just kind of take it easy and relax. And I think that we, we kind of carry that, that American consumer mentality into our relationship with God and think that one day I'll, I'll behave good enough and I'll be generous enough, and I'll be compassionate enough, and I'll know the Bible enough, and I'll witness the people enough, and I'll do all these things enough. And finally, God will be like, that's my boy. Look at him. But, but that's not how it works with God. He wants to stretch and to grow and to, to, to mold and to shape. And sometimes that requires obstacles in our life that we have to overcome, that God will lead us through something only to get us through it, to, to demonstrate his power and glory in our life. It gets harder and harder and harder. And you got to hear me say this, church. If you're still alive, God's not done. There's more that he wants to, to breathe into your life. There are more things that God wants to accomplish in and through your life. We talked last week how Jesus is our example That if we're looking for a life to model our lives after, it's to model our life after Christ. And Jesus was faithful and obedient. And God led him to harder and harder and harder tasks. Until eventually, the last command that Jesus got on the earth was go and die. Right? That's the example. Well, I think it's pretty safe to say when God finally lets you die, you you can say you're done. Like Then I'm good. Like, okay, apparently God didn't have anything left for me to do. And then I died. Like, that's how it works. And until we die, things are going to continue to stretch and to grow and to strengthen us. And so if we're looking for a word to define our year in 2015, this is what we want to do. God, stretch me, grow me, show me how it is that you want me to live in 2015 so that I can become hashtag stronger. 
You're going to see that a lot. Might, like, we're, going to, we're going to do the hashtag thing, all right? So hashtag stronger all year long because everything that we do in 2015 is going to be designed with this goal. God, how do we become stronger so that we can accomplish the vision that you've given us? You see, what we have to be careful not to do as believers is to take for granted the growth that we experience through adversity in our past. Let me say that again because I want to make sure that we follow that. We have to be careful that we do not take for granted the growth we, that we do not take for granted the growth that we experienced through adversity. See, it's really easy to forget that God loves you and that God is for you and that God is with you when you're in the, the midst of a struggle. It's easy to forget all the things that he got you through prior to the struggle that you're currently in. The nation of Israel in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, God's hand was on the nation of Israel. His presence dwelt with the nation of Israel. These people were famous for forgetting who God was and that he was for them. Time and time and time again, we see in the Old Testament kind of this this roller coaster ride of the nation of Israel fully committed and bought into God and what he's doing and and what he's leading them through. And they're kind of on this high and like, yay, God is for us and we're his people and God provides. He's our helper and our healer and there's all this celebration and then adversity comes. God trying to stretch and grow and strengthen the relationship that he has with his people. And all of a sudden, the nation of Israel goes, well, well, dang, God, I thought you were for us. And now here we are in trouble again. And they would forget and they would turn away from God and they'd start to worship false idols or do crazy stuff or forget about God or whatever. And so they, they, they find themselves in constant conflict with other nations because they turn their back on God and God allows difficult times to befall the nation of Israel. And then they, then they turn back to God. And it's kind of this roller coaster throughout the Old Testament of we love God and God loves us. Oh, there's adversity. God must hate us. Oh, no, wait, we remember God still loves us. And it's kind of this up and down and up and down and up and down. There's one particular account in the, the book of First Samuel, and that's where we're going to be today. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to First Samuel or find us on version, we've got it in there for you. And we're going to put it on the screen, so there's going to be Bible in lots of places today, which is a good thing. But in, in the, the book of First Samuel, we, we, we run into an account of a conflict between the nation of Israel and the nation of Philistine. The Philistines lived in Philistine, all right, so that'll get it confusing in a minute. Just hang on. I'll probably get tongue-tied. I did in the volunteer service. Just wait for it. It'll be funny. All right, so, so they're in this conflict with the nation of, of Philistine, and they lose a battle. All right, Philistine wins a battle against the nation of Israel, and they're all dejected. Like, how, how do we lose? We're God's chosen people. What, what's happening? And then they get this brilliant they think brilliant. We find out later, not so smart. They get this idea. We'll just call it idea because we know it's not smart. They thought it was outstanding. Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you were with us in the last couple of weeks, we talked a little bit about the Ark of the Covenant. God, before he dwelled inside of us through Jesus Christ, before that, before Jesus, God dwelt among his people, the nation of Israel, in, in a box, for lack of a better word, a box called the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, usually in the temple behind a really thick curtain, that's where God's presence was. And so the nation of Israel who lose this battle against Philistine get this great idea. Let's go get God and bring him into battle with us. 
Like surely if, if God is here present physically with us, there's no way we can lose. The problem was that's not how God wanted to interact with his people. You see what the nation of Israel did in this instance is they turned God into a rabbit foot. Let's go get the lucky box God and bring him out here and then surely we'll win. They turned God into a lucky charms. Lucky charm. I was thinking about the cereal for a minute there. I was a little distracted. I, I had clovers and rainbows. And it, it, sorry. ADD is it's terrible. You, I hate it. All right, so, so like, like they turned God into a lucky charm. God didn't very much care for that. And so he takes his hand of protection off of them as it pertains to their conflict with the nation of Philistine. Now, the, the, the Philistines, they don't know that, that, God has, that God doesn't like that he got brought out to the battlefield. So all they know is that the same God that has delivered this Israel, Israelite nation over and over and over again, the God that has done that and the God that sent plagues to Egypt and the God that's provided and the God that parted a, 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 a giant sea, the same God that did all that to protect these people is now in their camp. And the, the Philistine army starts to freak out. They're like, we're about to get our tails whipped. They done brought our God out here with them. And so they get all jacked up on monster energy drinks, all right, get real motivated to go and fight. And because God has removed his hand of protection on the Israelite nation, the nation of Philistine whoops up on the Israelite army and then takes the Ark of the Covenant. Like if it's not bad to get whooped in battle, now God's presence that you had the privilege and and honor of having with you has been captured and taken away from you. For the nation of Israel, it just doesn't get any worse than this. Like we, we lost God. And so for 20 years, the nation of Israel is dejected, just beaten down. Woe is us. They, they begin to turn to some other gods, Baal, and, and they worship something called an Ashtaroth. We'll read about that in a minute. Well, meanwhile, back at the Philistine camp, because God is not, has, has not chosen the Philistines as his chosen people, and now his presence dwells with them, they start to experience some, some really bad sickness. And the Bible talks of, of tumors. Like, it's not a tumor. That's a kindergarten cop reference. Like, so they're, like they're, I told you, ADD, it's terrible. Like, so like, God is with the Philistines, but he ain't supposed to be with the Philistines. And so they start to experience some pretty rough times. And they're like, we got to get rid of this thing. And so eventually through some working, you have to, you have to read 1 Samuel 5 and 6. They, they bring God's box and they give it back to the Israelites. And then... We see this guy Samuel come on the scene as a very, very anointed, very blessed man of God who hears from God, who speaks to God, to his people on God's behalf. The the prophet and judge Samuel tells the the Israelites, okay, here's how it's going to be. If we really want God to bless and to favor us, if we we want to stop getting our tails whipped by the the Philistines and the Amorites and all these, if if we really want to be the victorious, blessed, and honored people that God has called us to be, we got to stop all this idol worship stuff. We got to stop worshiping other gods and we got to get ourselves right. And this is what takes place. 1 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. Samuel is taken over. I'm going to read quite a bit. And Samuel said to the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. 
He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. So they're going to pick a fight. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. The people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. We done got beat twice. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. The men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far below, as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. And there was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. So here we see Samuel on behalf of the nation of Israel. He cries out to God. God delivers them from the hand of the Philistines, creates peace uh, among them with the Amorites. And and I want to go back to verse 12 and see something very significant that Samuel does that I want us to take our cue from. In verse 12 it says, Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up and said, He set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. When I think about this, this situation that the Israel, Israelites were in, they lost God. It just doesn't get any worse than that. Like you get beat in battle and then they capture your God. and, and, and care. I mean, just, it just couldn't get any worse. And so they, they, they tur- they're in this, this state of depression and anxiety and worry and woe and grief and all this, all this type of stuff. And then they turn back to God and God delivers them and everything turns out Great and wonderful. And then and Samuel does this. He, he, takes, he takes a stone. I would assume a stone much larger than the pebbles that I have up here. But he takes this stone. And he sets it up and he calls it Ebenezer. Ebenezer means the one who helps. And before God, Samuel declares... You've helped us. We turned our backs on you. We lost the Ark of the Covenant. We, we tried to turn you into a, a lucky charm. Man, we, we turned back to you, God, and, and look, what, look what you did. Look what you delivered us from. Look at where we are because of you. He honored God, 
He sacrificed an animal, and then he, he set up this Ebenezer. And that kind of got me thinking. You know, 2014 was, um, was a pretty rough year for me, personally. It's tough. Uh, early in the year, I, I battled with some depression and just really, really low times. Uh, as, as a lot of you know, and if you're, you're new with this and you don't know, um, about the middle of the year, we, we ran into some pretty rough animosity among what was High Rock Church and, and Fusion City Church as the result of, of the dissolution of, of another church called High Rock. And just so that you know, and we, we, we tried really hard not to talk about a lot of the negativity because it just wasn't, wasn't pertinent and weren't trying to get everybody down, but it, it got a little rough at times, and we're still not going to talk about it very much, but just know that it was hard. Uh, it was a really, really tough time about um, April to, to May, June-ish, um, 2014, and uh, honestly, if I'm just being really transparent with you, I wanted to quit. I thought about quitting. I thought about leaving ministry altogether because I didn't ever want to feel like I was feeling so I don't know if uh, I don't know if you do this. I do this sometimes when I'm trying to make a decision, trying to figure out where God's leading, what God's doing. I do a pro and con list. Anybody else do this? Like I get me, I get me a notepad and I draw a line down the middle, and I got the pros on the left and the cons on the right. And I, try, okay, God, what are the what are the benefits I'm going to see if I decide to walk away from ministry? It's like, well, there's more money out there than than you're making in ministry, but on the other hand, there's a whole lot less stress. Right? I was like, more money, less stress. I was like, wait a minute, where's the, like, where's the con? And, and here's, what, here's the con that I found. I only wrote one thing in the con column, as a matter of fact. It's not what God wanted. God didn't want me to quit. God wanted us to plant Fusion City Church. And so that's what we did. And here we are. And by my estimation, I could, we've got some numbers to back it up, but numbers don't tell me as much as my heart does. We are healthier now than we've ever been in the existence of this family of faith. I'm healthier as an individual than I was at the beginning of 2014. But I experienced what was most likely the worst year of my life. Here I stand. I'm not dead. Neither are you. And I don't know how many of you had a, a rough 2014. I imagine there's quite a few of us. You don't have to raise your hand. Please don't. But you're still here. And God's not done with you. God has plans for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a vision for your life, personally. A preferred future. A desired outcome for what he wants to accomplish in and through you. And so you've got a couple of choices to make. If you had a rough 2014 or a 2013, if you've had a rough decade, you've got a choice to make. You can choose a couple of options. 
You can dwell on the, neg- on the negative things of your past. You can look at your failures and say, well, I failed then, I'll probably fail again. And you can, that can keep you from trying anything new or taking a step of faith or doing something ridiculously radical through obedience to God. That you, can, you can dwell on the, the things of your past and you can let them define you. You can let addictions, bad relationships, bad financial decisions, you can let all of that define your 2015 or or you can set up an Ebenezer you can tell yourself and you can tell your God you're not done with me I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life and if I can make the commitment in 2015 to become a kind of person that works to connect every man, woman, and child with their Savior. To be a person that works to fuse a city to create a life-giving moment for the cause of Christ. And I could walk down this list that you're holding in your hands today and say that if you'll commit to God, His purposes and His plans for 2015, If you'll put a stake in the ground today, a a, a moment, a memento, a moment that says, God, from this point on, the past, I'll I'll learn from what you showed me. I'll I'll grow from the mistakes that I made. I'll I'll learn from the obstacles that you led me to and then got me to the other side of. Like, God, I'll, I'll learn from all that, but I will not dwell on the negativity and the failures and all the ways that I fell short and all the things that I got wrong. God, I will focus on what it is that you desire to do for me from my point, from this point forward. You see, when God brings us into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, we experience what is called in the the, the Bible a new life. That means that the old life dies. God does not care about your past. But he has a lot of concern about your future. And it doesn't matter where you were or what you did or how far in debt you got or how many bad decisions that you made. God has a plan for your future because he's the Lord that helps. And so in a few moments, we're going we're gonna to sing together and we're going we're gonna to worship in a way that touches heaven and changes earth. Let's, let's try that out for, let's worship with everything that we have because that's the only way that, that our worship will touch heaven and change earth. When it's, with, it's, so, it's so passionate and so deep from something inside of us that it begins to not only impact us, but impact others. When we worship that way. So when we, in a moment, when we sing and we, when we pray together, I got two baskets up here with a bunch of rocks. And listen, these, these came from Ben Franklin. All right. I didn't, I didn't anoint them with holy oil. I, I didn't do anything. It's just a rock. It's a rock. It's pretty. Like it's polished. It's smooth. Like it won't cut you. Like it's good. But come take your stone. Come take your Ebenezer. And, I, and you, don't have to take, you don't have to take one of mine. You can go, they, they sell them all day long. Ben Franklin, see Dorita, she works there. She'll help you. Like, you can go, you, you don't, it doesn't have to be my rock. You can go find a rock or a statue or a piece of wood that you caught. Like, you can do whatever you want, but find you something that's gonna stand as your stake in the ground for 2015 that says, God, this year I commit to do whatever I've got to do to be stronger. Now, here's what I know to be true. The only way that you get stronger 
is by being stretched and challenged. So there may be some difficult things that you encounter in 2015. It may be the hardest year of your life. I just had mine. I may have a worse year this year. I don't, I, I don't know. But here's what I'm committing to. Here's what I'm asking you to commit to. God, whatever you've got to take me through, whatever you've got to lead me to, whatever you've got to reveal to me, whatever you've got to show me in Scripture, whatever it is, God, I want to be faithful to take on every obstacle and every challenge with the belief in my heart that you are for me. You are my Ebenezer. You are the one that helps. And God, through you, I am stronger. And there's nothing that I can't do when you're for me. So let me pray for us, church. And then as we sing, you're welcome to come to the stage and, and take a stone to make your Ebenezer. Let's pray together. God, we love you. And we are so grateful, Father, for the opportunity that we have at the brink of a new year to make a new and fresh commitment to you, Father. To live our lives in such a manner for 2015 that we can take on any adversity and any obstacle in the the hope and belief that you are for us, that you love us, that, God, you are our help. So Lord, now, as we commit together, as we pray together, as we worship together, God, would you give us a fresh vision for 2015, a fresh picture of who it is that you're calling us to be as individuals, a fresh vision of who you're calling us to be as Fusion City Church. And then, God, would you give us the tools? Would you equip us and send us out as passionate, bold, confident people, knowing that we can accomplish whatever it is that you desire for us to accomplish when it is you who is our help. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, for the hope that's found in a relationship with him, for the connection that we can have with you, Father, based on his sacrifice for our sins, allowing us to come into the presence of a holy and perfect God. So God, now in your presence, would you allow us to find comfort and peace and to leave this place, God, with the commitment to be stronger in 2015. Father, we love you. Thank you for your son. It's in his name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand with us, please?